Well, Acts chapter 18 tonight. I never know what they're going to sing. They never know what I'm going to preach. <clears throat> Sometimes I really don't know. But anyway, I know what I'm going to preach tonight. But I was kind of wavering. I had two different things. But that song nudged me in this direction. Acts chapter 18. I want to speak to you tonight about serving God without being dominated by fear. Now, if I were to ask you tonight, how many of you have ever been afraid? All right, I know the answer to that because at some point in time, every one of us have been afraid, yet uh, we don't have to be dominated by it. And look in, in Acts chapter 18, I'm not going to read a long passage, but uh, after these things in verse 1, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. Now, Paul was a great missionary and a great preacher, but God moved him from time to time. And here he was in one city, and God now is moving him to a place where the gospel had not been given before. And when he got there, in verse number four, he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And we saw on Friday night that God wants everybody to be saved. And may I say to you tonight, if you're here and you're not saved, please don't fear that either. It's the greatest thing in the world. No, your, your sins are forgiven. You're not better than anybody else. Just being religious doesn't help. But knowing that Christ took your place, the work is done. And it's the greatest thing in the world. So Paul was reasoning. But then I want you to skip down to verse number 8. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house. And many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed, and were baptized. Isn't God's plan so simple? Here's the order. Hearing the gospel, they believed, and then they were baptized. That's the Bible order for this to take place. But then I love, verse 9 and 10, I love them. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision... Be not afraid, but speak and hold thy, thy peace. And God told him that don't be afraid. But aren't you glad that I mentioned this was this morning I talked about being simple. Don't you just love the simplicity of the Bible? Because God told us not to be afraid, but then he turned right around, right around and told us why we don't need to be afraid. Because he says in verse 10, this is the missionary verse. For I am with thee. And no man shall settle on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. Well, I have a friend, fellow Marine. He was uh, in Iraq several years ago. He was in charge of a group of officers who were charged to go out and inspect the outpost in Iraq. And they put a brand new army major in his team, and they were out inspecting this building. And as they stood there on the outside, all of a sudden a bullet hit right beside them. They kind of moved over a little bit. Another bullet hit. They're thinking the Lord Iraqi snipers weren't too accurate. And they kept moving around and finally ended up on the other side of the building. That evening, they were back in the office in Baghdad, and they filled out their reports. That's the military thing to do is filling out reports. And when that was done, everybody, everyone had drifted away except my friend, Captain Mike, Mike Helton, who's a missionary today in Spain with BIMI. And this, this new army major, and the major said, hey, Captain, can I ask you a question? We were out there today, and those bullets were hitting all around us. Were you ever afraid? 
And Captain Helton said, sir, I'm a Marine. But I would lie if I said I'm never afraid. <laughs> he said, but what I, what I will tell you is this. If one of those bullets hits me, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I would find myself in the presence of my Savior. And that captain, I mean, that major said, sir, are you serious? He said, I've never been more serious about anything in my life. I belong to Jesus Christ. I'm safe in Christ. If a bullet hits, hits me or anything else, and I, I would be in the presence of my Savior. And the major said, sir, would you tell me more about that? And that evening in the office in Baghdad, Iraq, an army major got down on his knees and cried out and he got saved. Well, can we serve God without being dominated by fear? We missionaries struggle. We have those things. Let me just pause there a second to say, do y'all think missionaries are superhuman spiritual giants? I hope you don't think that way because we're not. You know who we are? We're people just like you all are. We were just people in a church and God saved us and called us and we go and we're not, we're not immune to depression and loneliness and fear and all of those things. But the Bible is so clear about what He does for us. When missionaries first start out, it's a time of excitement and a little bit of fear. And they think about when they're on deputation, they think about how are we going to eat? Because y'all understand when they first start, they don't have any income. And they're praying, Lord, how are you going to take care of us? But they find soon God can and does and will take care of you. And then they go to the field and then they're worried about what are we going to eat? <laughs> and uh, uh, how can I leave my mom and dad? And how can I leave my church? And what am I going to do when I get there? Because they probably don't speak English. I told someone this weekend that I've been in, I've been kind of all over the world, but I was in Uganda and English is the official language. I couldn't understand one word anybody said to me in Uganda in English. I was praying for a French speaker or something else because their English, their mother, what I call their mother tongue, their tribal languages influences their English and I couldn't understand it. Uh, a lot of places, no English and, and language can be very confusing. My good friend, Ron Bragg, who's been here back in the ancient days, was here a lot, and some of y'all remember Brother Bragg. He and I were in France together in language school, and in French and Spanish, two words have gender. Now, I don't know why, but they do. Did you know that la main, the hand, my hand is feminine. But my foot is masculine. Even on a woman, your foot, anyway. So Brother Bragg, he wanted to buy chicken, with le foie, the liver, and all the good stuff left in the chicken. So we went in the butcher shop, and Brother Bragg looked at them, and his French wasn't very good, and he said, Je voudrais acheter un poulet avec de la foie, which means I would love to buy a chicken with faith. <laughs> <laughs> and they're, they're rolling, they're doing exactly what you're doing. They're rolling on the floor laughing, and we get laughed at, I mean, uh, because we don't know the culture and we're learning all that. But serving God, not just on the mission field, but in your life, can you serve God without being dominated by fear? Now, we all have fears. When we go to, some people fear going to the doctor and hearing the words you have cancer or heart disease or whatever it is. Um, I was in Senegal years ago and 
our middle daughter who was born there was getting ready to give us a, uh, a new grandchild. And it wasn't quite time, but I'd gone on to Africa. And while I was there, I had an email from them. And our, uh, one of our 18 grandchildren, he was born in, Fred, in uh, Fairfax, Virginia with no kidneys. Now, folks, I was over on the other side of the world, and I, I, I'm just being honest, I had some fear. God worked that out. He got a kidney transplant when he was two, and uh, is coming up. He's had his kidney now 15 years and needs another kidney before too long. So we all have fears. But let me share with you, not simple, short. Have y'all ever heard a preacher say that before? <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm not lying. This is a short sermon tonight. Three simple things God shows us why we can serve him without being domin dominated by fear. One is, he said, verse 10, for I am with thee. Oh, simple words, powerful words. In Exodus chapter 3 and verse 11, and Moses said unto God, who am I that I should go? <laughs> and he, that is God, said, certainly I will go with thee. God didn't give him a long explanation. He just said, if you serve me, you do what I tell you to, I will go with you. Isaiah says, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. Through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. Uh, when thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. In the Great Commission, Jesus said, go in all the world. But he said, you can do it because, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. I love uh, a lot of verses. How many of you like me? You just a lot of verses you love. How many of you love there in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5 where it says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. How can we serve God in the world we're living in without being full of fear? Well, we just need to understand. You can be lonely in a crowd, but you're never alone if you're saved. Well, that's the first point. Somebody say amen. amen. God's presence, I'm with you. Second point, it says, And no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, so not only do we have God's presence with us, we have God's protection. In Hebrews 13, in the next verse, I just quoted verse 5, verse 6 says, So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Well, Linda and I, we've had an interesting life together many years. We reared our kids in Africa. We tell people our kids had more fun than a barrel of monkeys <clears throat> because we ate them. Our youngest son, Robert, he was about three or four when we first went down in the jungle. And uh, we, had no, we lived hundreds of miles from electricity, and it was two kilometers from our, our, our house on top of a mountain, to, down a mountain to water. Now, ladies, think about that. You've got to walk two, uh, some mile in two tents down a mountain to wash your clothes or take a bath, or what, unless you used to. I mean, you know what? Uh, I mean, if you older folk have ever taken a bath in a pan, I mean, um, anyway. We lived there, and we had just moved down there back in 1990, and uh, fighting started. 10,000 foreigners fled the country. The Christians there had been praying for years for the missionaries to come back, and uh, we, I, I told Linda and Kiss, why don't y'all go back to America for a while, and when it settles down, I'll let you know. And they said, if God wants you here, he wants us here. 
Well, we lived in a we lived in a mud block house on top of this mountain. Nobody lived in it for 30 years. Missionaries built it many years ago, and it was on the side of the hill. So the the back wall was kind of leaning down the hill, broken loose from the rest of the house. So in the bedroom, there was a crack in the corner that started about oh two or three inches, and it just got bigger as it went up. And I don't know why I did it, but I stuffed it full of plastic. The reason I don't know why I did it because there was nothing between on the 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 trusses was just tin nailed to that and nothing. It was open to the outside and the bats and everything else came in. But anyway, we went, I, I stuffed that crack full of plastic and we went to bed and had this little small bed. I nailed four poles to it, draped mosquito net over it, and stuck it under the mattress and. There's no electricity, so there's no fan running or anything, so it was kind of quiet. And we went to bed, and about the time we got in there, I heard something coming through the plastic. And uh, I got up on my side of the bed, and I got my machete and my flashlight, and I went around on her side of the bed. She says, honey, what is it? And I said, you really don't want to know. Because <laughs> there was a... There was this about five or six foot long black mamba going up the wall on her side of the bed. And folks, we lived in a place we ate those too. <laughs> if a grasshopper got in our church, it didn't get out. <laughs> it was a fun place to live, really. Now we tell those stories. We had mangoes and papaya and guavas and and if it, was, if it moved, we shot it, okay. And anyway, I'm just saying, how can you live in a place like that where there's snakes and there are hippopotamus in the rivers and there are crocodiles? And a lot of time when I went out to preach, some of us stayed on the bank with the rifles while the other part bayed to try to keep the crocodiles scared to the other side. He said, Brother God, if you have too much fun, I know it, just leave me alone. But what I'm saying is, how can you live in a place like that and not be afraid? Well, I won't say we never had a fear, but I tell you this, we didn't sit around worrying about anything and dominated by fear because the God, look, if we can trust him to save our soul, why don't we think we can trust him to take care of us? Back in that same time period, I'll just share one more story and I'll move on to my third point. All right, no way. Anyway. Uh, Back in that same time period, we just got down there, and Dr. Don Sisk, who was our general director at that time, wanted to go see that ministry because BIMI was born in 1960 when a group of missionaries got chased out of the Congo, and they couldn't go back there. And Dr. Lee Robertson got a bunch of pastors together in 1960 and said, these missionaries are called to God. They can't go back to the Congo. It's time for us to embrace the world. And that was the day BIMI was born 63 years ago. Well, Dr. Sisson went with me and Brother Ron Bragg and just a small group of us. And they were going to go up there to see that village where everything started, a little village named Chene. By the way, if you, if you go to Google Earth and you Google in Chene, it's T-S-H-E-N-E. If you Google in, it'll come down. It's no city. It's just a little village in the jungle. And you won't see a lot there. But there's some pictures up in the right-hand corner if you click on them. It shows the grave of the missionary who went there in 1920 and won over 10,000 people to the Lord. Well, anyway, Dr. Sisk and Brother Bragg, and they were on this 
we had this old army truck left over World War II, troop carrier, sits about this high off the ground, loaded with barrels of fuel, trunks on top of the barrel, suitcases on top of that, and then we're sitting on top of that. So we, we left Kinshasa one Friday, and we're trying to get up to my place by Sunday, which shouldn't, it's only like 300 miles, shouldn't be that hard. But we're going up this mountain at night, the truck was giving us trouble, and we got about halfway up the mountain, and the engine on the truck just stopped running like that. The driver's in a panic, he's trying to get it cranked again, and, and that's, for you young people, I'm sorry, you won't understand all of this, but he finally got it running, and he let the clutch out. Now you older folk, you'll understand that. All right, what happens okay, when, you, when you're going up a mountain in a truck with a slick metal bed loaded down and you let that clutch out and everything on that truck slid back about two feet, ropes broke. I looked back and I couldn't find Dr. Sisk. <laughs> and my first thought was, I just killed my director. <laughs> But happily, it was, it was sandy soil, so he was okay. But now we're standing going up this mountain looking at this suitcases and trunks and us, and we thought, we're not going to get back on this truck till we find a level spot. So we're walking behind it. Now, you would understand this, Brother John, walking in 95 degrees at night, sticky. We're just drenched, lugging, walking up with all our stuff got up on top of the mountain, drove into a village, and just immediately we're surrounded by bandits with clubs and machetes and guns. And Dr. Sis said to me, interpret for me, I want to talk to that, <laughs> what appeared to be the head bandit. And so I started interpreting, and the bandit said, you tell him to shut his mouth, I'll blow his brains out. <laughs> you have to know Dr. Sis, but... He said that he felt strangely led to comply. <laughs> now, I know what y'all are thinking. Brother Guy, why would you tell those kind of stories? Don't you think that might, look, if my stories scare people off, what's going to happen when they go? And it may be a lot worse than my stories. If God wants you to go, listen to me. God said, not only am I going to be with you, but I will protect you. No man can put his hand on you to harm you when you're serving God where he wants you. And then let me give you one last point tonight. I love this part. For I have much people in this city. Why does God call missionaries to different places? Because there are people there that will get saved. People there who need to hear. And the potential uh, is what I call it. I love how God works. How many of you all, some of you I know, know the name of Russell Turner. Russell Turner went to Tabernacle back Way years ago, he's in heaven now. Russell Turner and his wife, Bobby, that's what they always called her. They went, uh, they were called to go down in the Caribbean islands and they were, they had a hog farm up in Greenville. And they thought, missionaries think funny sometimes, they thought we're not going to raise support, we just sell the hog farm and we'll go to the mission field. Nobody seemed to want to buy the hog farm. It, it wasn't selling. And one day, Russell looked at his wife and he said, honey, go get the deed for this farm. And he went and got it and brought it to the table and, and they signed it and they walked across the street to Tabernacle Baptist Church and Dr. Harold Seidler and they gave that hog farm to Tabernacle Baptist Church. 
If you go today to Tabernacle Baptist in Greenville, right across the street, it's Tabernacle Children's Home. That was the Russell Turner's hog farm. They went down to the islands, a little island called Cayman Brack. It's just a small little place down in the Caribbean. And they witnessed everybody down there. They went out to other islands. And there was a big burly sailor down there named Raymond that every time Brother Turner would see him, he said, Raymond, have you got saved yet? Raymond, you better get saved. And Raymond never did get saved. And a couple of years ago, maybe more, when you're having fun, the years go by so fast. But a few years ago, Brother Turner died in his bed down on the mission field one day, and he had just gone to heaven. This big burly sailor came to the front door, knocked on the door, and said, Miss Turner, can I, can I just see Pastor Turner one more time shake his hand? And Bobby Turner said, Raymond, you're never going to be able to do that unless you do it in heaven because Pastor Turner just went to glory. And Mrs. Turner with her husband just still in the bed where he just died, invited this big guy in and sat on the couch and won him to Christ. Look, when, when we do what God wants us to do, there is a potential. It doesn't matter where in the world it is. I got to tell you a story and I'm finished. It's not too long. Um, Several years, well, last time I was here, which is a while ago, I told you, you won't remember it anyway, I told you about the Fiji Islands when God had opened up the door and we were asked to come to Fiji and go to every school on the island, Muslim schools, Hindu schools, Catholic schools, military schools, and preach an hour and give them Bibles, whole Bibles. And that, we gave out 230,000 Bibles. Well, after that, we had a call at BIMI from the government in Papua New Guinea. And they said, we heard what you all did in uh, Fiji. Our young people here are struggling. They need God in the Bible. Would you come here and give out Bibles in our schools? <laughs> and we, how, many, how many students? Well, a lot more than 230,000. Folks, this year, listen to me, we just gave out our one millionth Bible. One, can you just think about that? That means we preached to way over a million people. We got to go to every college and university and technical school, every high school. We're right now in the secondary schools. We're almost finished with it. We would have been done except COVID slowed us down a little bit. I'm just saying when God calls us and sends us out, there's potential. I don't know why God calls people to different places, but he does. I know what the 1040 window means and all that, but God calls people to little islands and little places out. That's not in the 1040. God calls people to go to places and you look at them. For example, we have a, a fine family right now serving the Lord in Uganda, <laughs> but they're Navajo Indians. Do you not think God has a sense of humor? <laughs> Those folk are... They got three cutest little girls, and when they were on deputation, they would sing Jesus Loves Me in English, in Rhea and Corey from Uganda, and in Navajo, and everywhere they went, and they should have. Look, can we serve God without being full of fear? Yes, we can. Why? Because he told us why. I'm with you. 
No man can put his hand upon you to harm you if you're in the center of his will. And I have much people in this city. That's what this missions conference is all about. It's taking the gospel all over the world so people can hear the truth and be saved. 